wish I had my glasses on so I could read that. Good morning. All right. I love your sweater. This morning, I need, I need, we're going to talk about Nehemiah 3. And in Nehemiah 3, it's about building God's wall around God's city. And I need a volunteer. Can I get a volunteer? I need a, I, wow, so many wonderful volunteers. Joshua, Joshua Foster, come on up here. Okay, now, today is about building Nehemiah's wall. So do me a favor, go build the wall, okay? All right, so while he is building the wall and we get to watch, all right, I've got a message. You see, um, building the wall was going to be very, very easy, right? And it's, Joshua, go build the wall. You don't, you don't know how. You do? I do. I love live television. I really do. You don't know how to build the wall because I failed to give you instruction and tell you how I failed. Okay. And it's also a very, very big job. So maybe more than just one person. How about if we all help? Not yet. Because there's rules and instructions with everything, because it could also be a little bit dangerous. What we're going to do is, my friend Kenny over there in the blue shirt, he and I are going to come up here, and each of you are going to grab the blocks. Any of you who want to come up and help, come grab the blocks, and then hang, nope, nope, not yet, not yet, not, oh, oh, if y'all were that excited, this would be much easier. All right, so... Okay, and then you, you're going to hand them to us, and then we are going to stack them in place. Because if it falls down, somebody might get hurt, and that would, be, that would be very, very sad. And I would get in a lot of trouble, and we'd get a lot of emails, and they'd all go to Pastor Jim. Okay? Okay, so follow me, and there's the blocks. Come on, Kenny. Let's come up here. See, we're going to stand right here, and you hand me one. All right, give me another block. Give me another block. Give me another block. Give me another block. Here we go. And we're building Nehemiah's wall. Okay. All right. Yes, give me another block. Give me another block. You see how much faster and easier it is when we... Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, stay on this side for me. When we work in unity, things go much, much, much faster. Here we go. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, we're doing a lot better on our end. Oh, oh, you guys have to stay around this side. Okay. There you go. All right. Here you go. Hand them to me. Oh, my goodness. You are an overachiever. Wow. All right. Oh, see, you guys are working faster than I know how to work. Okay, hang on. Oh. All right. Unity is overwhelming me. Okay. All right. Here, here. You guys got to back up just a little. Back up just a little bit. Back up, back up, back up, back up. Okay, I got these. I've got these. Oh, yes. Here we go. All right. Yeah. You want to pick one? Hand me that one. Okay. Whoop, 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 whoop. Wait, 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 wait. We've got an earthquake going on here. Too many people up on the stage. Oh, hand me this. Hand me this. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And in... <gasps> 
There you go. You just could not resist, and I don't blame you. Here we are. <gasps> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Here we go. Here we go. We're building, Nehem, we're building the wall around Jerusalem. You might want to back up. Here you go. Hand me that. Oh, very good. Here we go. All right, one, two, three. You don't want, you don't want to be under there. That wall is heavy. All right, here we go. One more. Any more? Two, three, four. Okay, now hand me these, and then let's go back and sit on the steps. Here you go. Take some down there. Oh, come on around. Yeah, you are a brave little one. Okay. Now. Oh, I'm not taking that out. If, here we go. All right, now. Here, spread out a little bit. Let me have a little bit of room. Let me come right down here. Oh, okay. So, if it had only been that easy around the city of Jerusalem, Nehemiah's wall, Nehemiah's wall would have been rebuilt so much faster. But you see what happened? When I sent young Joshua up there, when I sent young Joshua up there and I gave him no instruction and I gave him no help, he didn't know what to do and the job was overwhelming. But when we all joined together, we were able to get the job done very, very quickly with just a little bit of instruction. So as part of Nehemiah 3, what I want each of us to learn in this is that when we work together, when we work together towards one purpose with one goal, things are much, much easier. Now, and maybe that means when your brother or sister is having a little bit of trouble finishing the dishes or cleaning their room, if you help them, they'd be done a little bit sooner so you could go outside and play. For adults, it's going to mean something different. But the message for us this morning from this, for all of you, is that when we work together, when we work and have instructions, things go much, much better. Well, hello there. How are you? Give me some. What's your name? All right. Now, I thank you all. <laughs> I thank you all. And that's the end of this part of the message. So I'm going to invite you to go back to your seats. Oh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I would not have been able to build the wall without you. Yeah. Well, don't hit so hard. Oh. I absolutely love children. Sorry, Arthur. <laughs> Absolutely love children. I love trying to teach children. I love working with children. They are wonderful. And, and it is true, you never know what's going to happen. Who said that? Hi. Good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, well, good morning and welcome to Avalon Church. If this is your first time here in a long time or your first time ever, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. My name is John. I have the privilege of being able to speak before you this morning, and we're going to be studying and learning from the book of Nehemiah in chapter 3. But before we get to chapter 3, before we get to chapter 3, 
I want to do just a bit of a recap because the theme for chapter three is let us rise up and build. And we pick that up from the end of chapter two. I'm going to press the pause button for just a second. These little children, as, as Arthur was singing and the, and the praise team was singing, and I appreciate them so much for what they sang, I got to watch little Bella dancing with her mom. She didn't have a care in the world except loving to hear her dad sing and, and to spend some time with her mommy. And then there were three little girls just down here on the floor loving every moment of that praise and worship. And in that moment, and this is, this is way off topic, but in that moment, I looked down there and I saw them. And I could hear the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ, when he said, if you want to come unto me, you better have a heart like one of these little ones. Those little ones were just loving on the song, loving on the music, loving on the praise team. It was so encouraging to see them without care or abandon, just surrender themselves into that moment. And if I had a prayer this morning, it would be, I would, I would, I would have two prayers. One, that I not mess this up too bad, and two, that we would all have hearts like those little children. I'll take a clap, I'll take a clap. This is week three of the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be studying chapter three. In the last two weeks, Pastor Jim did Nehemiah one, Pastor Arthur, he did Nehemiah two. So I'm going to do a very, very quick and brief recap to kind of catch anybody up who might not have been here, and then to share with you something that I was so impressed with in this moment. You see, during, uh, during uh, what has happened in the past, if we rewind in time, Jerusalem existed, and it was a thriving city, and it had walls, and it had a temple, and it had an altar. And then, and then there was a Babylonian conquest, and I think it was under King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, what did you say? Gesundheit. It was under King Nebuchadnezzar at the Babylonian conquest, and in that moment, the temple, the altar, and the wall, the wall that Jerusalem had built before, it had been absolutely destroyed and laid to waste. The people had built it. And when the people took their eyes off of God, when the people stopped keeping God's commandments, God took his hand of protection off of Jerusalem and it was destroyed. Following that, following the destruction, there was per, the, the, the people of Israel, they went into exile. And after that, there was a Persian rule. Israel is still in exile. The temple and the altar... The temple and the altar in circa 537 to 516 BC, they were rebuilt. And sometime after that, it was years after that, that a man approaches Nehemiah and he finds Nehemiah. Nehemiah, Pastor Arthur and Pastor Jim have both shared this with us, Nehemiah had never seen Jerusalem, never once seen it. He had heard of it. He had heard that it was God's place for God's people, but he had never seen it. And when word came to him, of the state of Jerusalem, of the condition of Jerusalem, he wept. And Arthur did, and Jim, they did such an incredible job of sharing with us the deep impact that that had on Nehemiah. He wept, and he mourned, and he fasted, and he prayed, and then he petitioned. He didn't sit and do nothing. He took action. He petitioned the king. He petitioned King Artaxerxes to go and rebuild Jerusalem because he could not. 
he could not, he could not allow it to lie in waste. And then he got permission from King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. He surveys the situation. Nehemiah then visits the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem. They were already living there in and around that area. And he shares with them the project. And the people in unison say, let us rise up and build. As I prepared for this morning's message in Nehemiah 3, and we are not there yet, as I prepared for this morning's message, I went back and I listened to Pastor Jim and Pastor Arthur's messages several times. And I went back and I read Nehemiah 1 and Nehemiah 2 again and again. And, and of everything that they brought out of that text, of that scripture, there were two things that impacted me deeply. The first was in Nehemiah 1, when Nehemiah cries out to God. You see, in Nehemiah, he knew who to go to when there was trouble. He didn't go ask neighbors. He didn't go ask anybody else. He cried out to the creator of the universe. And you see, because Nehemiah understood God's promises and his faithfulness, Nehemiah knew that he could count on God. So in the face of opposition, Nehemiah took action. And he took that action based on God's promise and based on God's character and his faithfulness. How did Nehemiah know what God's character, God's faithfulness, and God's promise looked like? He knew that because he had studied God's word. He knew that because he had studied God's word. Which of God's promises, which of God's promises do I miss out on on a routine basis because I don't spend enough time studying his word to know his word, to know what his promises truly are. This study has been a challenge to me that no matter how much time I've been spending in God's word, it could be more because I could learn more about the true character and nature of God. The other thing, the other thing from, from when Arthur brought his message, there was so much in there, but one thing stuck out in my heart so much is when the people said, let us rise up and build. Those same people, they had been walking around Jerusalem for decades. They'd been walking around Jerusalem for absolute decades, day after day, walking over the rubble to get in, to get out, and they had done nothing. What was missing? What was missing? As we read and study this, what God revealed to me and hopefully to you was that what, what they were missing was God's leader. Because as soon as God's leader stepped into the forefront, they said, we will follow you, we will rise up, and we will build because the man who came to lead was also following God. I pray. I pray for the leadership of Avalon Church. We are in a season we're in a season when we are seeking a new senior pastor, a new shepherd to lead this congregation. In this moment, Pastor Jim has stepped in and he is currently leading us. And as we go through this, through this study, I pray that we would rise up and we would be in unison and we would rise up and build along with Pastor Jim and along with Pastor Arthur and along with Pastor William as they lead us through this moment of our history. Nehemiah didn't need a burning bush. God revealed himself to Moses through a burning bush. God revealed himself to Saul 
by blinding him on the road to Damascus. Nehemiah didn't need any of those things. I think of how many times in my life, in my life, that I have, I've said this out loud, I wish God would send me a telegraph and let me know what he wants me to do. And I sit there and I wait for that telegraph. And sometimes in the midst of waiting for that telegraph or that email or that text, I do nothing. When the truth of what I am learning from this text is, God has already given me all of the instructions that I absolutely need. They're all right in here. All I have to do is look and study. Let us rise up and build. But Arthur pointed out there was opposition. There was opposition. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Amorite, servant of Geshem, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they jeered at us and they despised us and they said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you, are you Nehemiah and the people, are you rebelling against the king? In that moment, they spoke of an earthly king. And this was, this was King Artaxerxes that they would have been speaking of. He had armies. He had power, he had authority, he could have come in and wiped them out. They spoke of an earthly king. Nehemiah, in that moment, Nehemiah could have held up the letters that he got from Artaxerxes and he could have said, no, 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 I've got your king right here, your king has said that this is okay. They could have formed committees, they could have done all kinds of things. Nehemiah, he chose not to hold up his get out of jail free card from Artaxerxes to say, I have the authority of the king. Nehemiah, when faced with confrontation from an earthly king, what did Nehemiah do? He went to the creator of the universe. And then Nehemiah replied, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants, God's people following God's leader who is following God, we his servants will arise and build, but you you and your earthly king and your opposition, you have no right or claim in Jerusalem. So that's kind of the recap. That's what leads us up to this moment. And it's at this moment that we, we venture into Nehemiah 3. And you heard it read, and I'm so glad that I was able to find a YouTube video where somebody read Nehemiah 3 because I tried to read it so many times it took me 20 minutes and I didn't get a single name right. <laughs> I am so thankful. What do you think the next thing that happened? Nehemiah, he went to the people, and they said, let us rise up and build. Sanballat and his team, they came in opposition, and they said, no, you're not. Why are you rising up against the king? Nehemiah said, we're serving God, and, and we are going to do this. What do you think that the next thing that happened was? I asked, uh, there's a group of high school boys, high school men, who come to my house on any given Friday night and we study God's word. And on Friday night, we went through Nehemiah 1 and Nehemiah 2. And at the end, I asked them the question, what do you think happened next? And some of the answers were, are you going to tell us? Some of the answers were along the lines of, well, maybe they formed a committee. Maybe they did a bilateral commission to see what would be the best approach for the two teams to work in opposition together. Maybe the ambassador from, from Sanballat's team worked with an ambassador from Nehemiah's team, and maybe they figured out what was a best path forward and a compromise. None of that is what happened. What happens in the very, very first verse of Nehemiah 3 means so much to me, and I pray that it means so much to you. You see, because then Eliashib, the high priest, he rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they 
built. They didn't waste another moment. They didn't have a committee. They didn't, they didn't, dis, didn't debate. They didn't get into an argument with Sanballat. They had heard his objection. They heard Nehemiah's claim of the promise of God's provident protection. And they got up and took action. There was no discussing, no debate about it. They got up and they built. And they started, and they started with Sheepgate. I wondered why they would start with the Sheepgate. You see, because, you know, Jerusalem was a very large place. It had many, many gates. Why did the high priest start with the Sheepgate? It's because in that season of God's history, the only way to atone for sin and it's true in our season today, but the only way to atone for sin was for God's people to bring a sacrifice into God's house. You see, if you went back and read the book of Ezra, you would know that, and we talked about it at the beginning in the recap, sometime before they had rebuilt the temple and they rebuilt the altar. The high priest started at the sheep gate because that's where God's people would bring their sacrifice into God's house. They would bring their offering into God's house to atone for their sins. And then the high priests and his team, they consecrated. They consecrated the sheep gate and they consecrated the wall from here to there. They consecrated it. And what that means, what that means is that they dedicated it. They took that place and they dedicated it to God's holy and perfect will and made it the primary purpose. The first thing that they did was that they created the doorway that the people would come through to approach God's temple and God's altar. And then they consecrated it for a very specific purpose to serve and to honor and dedicate themselves to God the Father. They worked. They worked together in unity and so for those of you who like to fill in blanks, they worked in unity. See, we can accomplish, just like we, we learned with the children, we can accomplish more when we are working together in unity than we will ever accomplish otherwise. We see God's people risking everything. They had the threat from the earthly king. They had Sanballat and his team. They risked absolutely everything to work in unity, to accomplish God's mission, God's purpose, and God's will by following God's leader, who is following God's leading. It has been said that among our body, that there are agendas. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's false. But one of the things that I learned from Nehemiah and I learned from God and his word is that as a body of believers, as a unit of believers, we are called by God to his mission to work in absolute unity behind God's leaders for the purpose that God has given to them for our church. Arthur, he leads our youth. Jim, he leads all of us. I pray that as we, as we learn from Nehemiah, we would come away from this message in complete unity as a body of believers. 
The undertaking? The undertaking was massive. This is a map that shows how the groups were split up and how they worked all the way around the wall. 38 people groups, 38 people groups with high priests and their team, with three other groups of priests, one of them being Levites. In and amongst the people who were named, there were eight men who were named as rulers. These would have been mayors or governors of a region. These mayors and governors, they would not be accustomed to putting one block on top of the other and standing out in the sun working to build a wall. They would have been accustomed to being served in their home. They would not have been accustomed to going out. But eight rulers gave up their place of privilege. Eight, the high priest and three other groups of priests gave up their providence of privilege to go and rebuild the wall. And they each took a part, just like those children, each took a block and brought it to put it, in, put it together. They did. There were there were goldsmiths, so there were very wealthy merchants. There were perfumers. I would call them the scientists of the day. So you had wealthy businessmen, you had priests, you had rulers and governors, you had everyday people. You had one man who brought his entire family, his daughters and his sons. So it wasn't just a boy thing, it was a boys and girls. Everyone in, we have a mission. Everyone, come participate. Do you think this wall was easy to build? What do you think this wall looked like? I asked my guys on Friday night the same question. What do you believe that the wall looked like? And basically the answer was maybe something this wide, maybe the height of a privacy fence. Here's the reality. This is a remnant of Nehemiah's wall that still exists in the city of Jerusalem today. And as you take a look at it, you will realize that its width from outside to inside Maybe from here to maybe here, that's a very wide wall. That's a very wide wall. The remnant that you see there is probably five or six feet high. When it was built and when it was finished, from this floor to that ceiling is approximately 19 feet 10 inches. I could measure it if there's anyone in here legalistic enough to need to know the exact amount. But approximately 20 feet. So... As wide as this section, if not a little bit wider, in many places as high as this ceiling, in some places another 10 feet, approximately 15 feet wide, approximately 20 to 30 feet high, one block on top of the other, 38 people groups. Without God's hand being on this mission, there is no way 38 small people groups could accomplish this goal. Now that is the width and the height of the wall, and the stones were there. If you look up here, this is the area of the temple. And this is where the wall comes down, around, and back up. Now, let's give another a visual perspective. The temple area, let's imagine that to be approximately Timber Creek High School. All right, and then as the wall comes down, it's coming down one side of Avalon Park Boulevard to approximately where Publix is. And then it turns and it comes back and then it comes back up the other side of Avalon Park Boulevard. So it was not a small undertaking. A wall that is this wide and that high and that big built by 38 people groups. 38 people groups who would never, who may never have otherwise worked together if they had not been unified by one man, God's leader, submitting to one purpose. 
They had been living there for years, and they had done nothing. They had done nothing to restore that wall. But when God's leader came on, on the scene, they joined in unison to go build that wall. And why was it important to build the wall now? You see, if you go back and you read the book of Ezra, you're going to learn that a few years before, several years before, God's people had finished rebuilding the temple and the altar. So now there was absolutely something to protect. God's house, and God wanted his house to be, and his people to be protected. Why? What did, what did Nehemiah know about God's promise and his faithfulness? What did Nehemiah tell us? If we go read in chapter 1, he says, but if you, this is God talking, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Nehemiah knew God's promise. He knew that if God's people returned to God, stopped turning their back on him, stopped being disobedient, if God's people obedient and, obediently and faithfully returned to him, that God would bring them in and restore them. And this is what we are seeing in the book of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah 3, we're seeing them come together from all walks of life to work together for God's unified purpose. What did the... What do you think the wall represented to the people of Israel? It represented physical security. It would protect them from the enemies who would seek to harm them in the future. It would be physical protection, just like a fort. It, it demonstrated spiritual unity, God's people returning to God and God putting up a wall of protection around them. It represented the need for absolute leadership and it also represented God's children returning to him. It represented God's promise and it represented God's faithfulness. It was, it was much more than one stone laid on top of the other, this wide and that high, surrounding a temple and surrounding a people. It was a representation and it was evidence of God's promise and his faithfulness. What are the walls? What are the walls in your life that need to be rebuilt? Are there walls of fear? Are there walls of spiritual need? Are there walls of needing to study God's word more? What are the walls in our lives that need to be rebuilt? They are many. And there are people who would stand against us. There are people who would jeer against us. There are people there would be people who would call us haters. When I think about the walls that need to be rebuilt in my life, one of them I've shared with you is spending more time in God's word so that I would fully understand and better understand his promise and his faithfulness. 
But sometimes, sometimes, especially for me, it's important to kind of bring this today into the middle of my life. I don't know if they're here this morning, but Justin, if you're out there, would you raise your hand? There's Justin, Tara. Would you raise your hand too? Do me a favor. Would you mind standing up? Can you get the baby out? Oh, yeah. I love babies. I love babies. Unfortunately, they grow up into be like me. This is Justin and Tara Baller. You see, very, very recently, very recently, I got a phone call from my friend Mike Hammermeister sitting right over there. That's Tara's father. I got a phone call and Mike said two words to me. Two words. Please pray. I said, of course, of course I will pray, but can you give me an idea of what? And he said, Tara's delivering the baby. Oh, I want to see the baby. No, 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 no. Oh, everybody go, oh. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. And there's been complications. And there's a need for procedures. And there's a need for emergency surgery. My daughter and my granddaughter, they're in trouble. Please pray. Please get on your knees and pray to God. He was already doing that. And it was sometime after that that we made it up to Winnie Palmer. And we encountered young Justin sitting in the lobby. And he's sitting in there. And I anticipated walking in and seeing a young man distraught, absolutely distraught. I saw a young man who had great concern on his face, great concern for his wife and for his baby. You see, what he needed, he needed a wall of healing to be built around his wife and around his baby by a team of surgeons and doctors and technicians and hospital workers and hospital staff and people who drive ambulances. He needed a wall of protection and healing to be built around his family. And, and in the midst of that, I not only saw a look of absolute concern on his face, but I saw a countenance of absolute peace. An ab, a countenance of absolute peace. You see, because he knew who was absolutely in control, and he was surrendered in that moment to God's control and God's provision. I want to read something to you. Pardon me. This is a letter. This is a part of a letter that was written to Tara by the nurses. And it says, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of taking care of you on Friday. I will never forget the words your husband said, pointing upward as we loaded you onto the ambulance to go to ORMC. He pointed upwards, he looked at them, and he said, he's got this. Thank you for taking care of my wife, but he has this. In the midst, in the midst of needing life-saving surgery, Justin says, God's got this.
Not only was he demonstrating an absolute faith in the Father above, he was impacting the lives of those nurses and the caregivers who were standing there and seeing and seeing witness of his faith. And he, in that moment, was strengthening them and he was building blocks around them and around their faith. In the days surrounding this experience, Justin encountered people again and again. And one of the young men, one of the young men approached Justin, seeing him in the lobby or seeing him in a waiting room someplace, and, 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 and started a conversation. And they shared. And then that young man said, my baby's up in the neonatal intensive care unit. My baby was born prematurely. My baby weighs one pound. My baby weighs one pound. That young man was drawn towards Justin because in the midst of Justin's concern on his face, that man saw a peace that he didn't understand. Oh, would that countenance be on each and every one of our faces, no matter what the circumstances that we face. We are going to face trials. We are going to face troubles. There are things that are going to happen, but God is the source of peace in our lives. And in that moment, God built a wall around Justin and that family and around Tara, and around that baby. And then God used Justin to start setting one block on top of the next in that young man's life. And as Justin started sharing with him why he had confidence, the man didn't even know what was happening in his life, had no idea. But here's the result. He said, I don't know what you've got. I don't know how you can do this. I don't know what's different about your life, but whatever it is, I want it. I want it. I don't know what you have. And Justin shared the gospel with him. And that man, in that moment, while his baby was laid up in the NCIU, he bowed his head and he repented and he asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior. What are the walls in your life that need some attention? What are the walls in the people around you's lives that you see that need some attention that you could pour yourself into, that you could help them rebuild? Justin has stayed in touch with that young man in the weeks that have followed that. He didn't just have that moment and walk away. He's been, he's been staying in touch. And as that man goes through his walk, and we don't know where that man's walk is going to be, but as he goes through his walk, Justin is continually adding a block with every conversation to that man's support. I am almost done. There are four takeaways. I got four takeaways for myself, and I pray that they are for you. My four takeaways from this message from Nehemiah 3, a list. Nehemiah 3 is nothing more, nothing more. Nehemiah 3 is a list of 38 people groups, including a high priest and three other groups of priests, eight rulers, a father and his daughters, businessmen, scientists, and a variety of people from every walk of life working in absolute unity. And from that chapter, from that chapter, from that list, we see evidence of God's faithful promise. We see evidence of God's people working in unity for one mission and one purpose. And if you don't 
if you, if you need a hint as to what our mission and our purpose is today, Jesus Christ gave it to us right before he ascended to heaven. Go into all the world and make disciples. We can't make disciples if we don't know his word and if we don't know him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to be able to experience peace in the midst of any trial or any turmoil, I encourage you to find one of us after this message. We would love to talk to you about that. There's a prayer room right around the corner in there. Go in there. There will be people in there. God's peace. We have leadership, so we have God's faithful promise. We have unity, and we have leadership. God's people following a unified leader. And then we have action. This message is entitled, Let Us, just like those children, let us rise up and build. God has projects for us to do. He has a will for us to accomplish. He has things for us to do. Let us rise up, take action behind our leadership, and go build. One more thing. I encourage you to read ahead. But if you're not one who's going to read ahead to Nehemiah chapter 4, while, ne while, while chapters 1, 2, and 3, I find them highly interesting, in chapter 4, it gets really, really interesting. Some things are about to come off the rails and come off the hinges. It's about to get exciting. So while we did a recap at the beginning, this is a little bit of an advanced look and an encouragement for you to be here next week as Pastor William brings to us a message from chapter 4. I can't wait. I'm going to be in Missouri, but I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching through whatever that little box is back there and whatever little box I'll be holding in Missouri. I'm going to be watching because I am excited to see what happens next in the book of Nehemiah among God's people who are working in unity, following one leader for one common purpose and taking action. My name's John. I thank you. I love you, and I'm done. <laughs>